Let's get psyched about reading again. Today, we're talking about The Game of Lives, which is the last book in the Mortality Doctrine series, and I'm going to talk a lot about its philosophical connections again and what we learn from this last book and kind of the conclusions we get and don't get. So this, like I said, is The Game of Lives. It's a book by James Dashner. It is the third book in the Mortality Doctrine series, the final of the series. It is science fiction, a young adult novel, fantasy, adventure, and it's got some mystery in it. It's 336 pages, so it's not a terribly long read, but it did take a minute to get through. I'm DJ Psyched, and you're listening to the Get Psyched Podcast. Let's get psyched together. Like I said... Game of Lives is the last book in this trilogy, and if you've listened to any of the other podcasts in this series, this book series is about a guy named Michael who was born in this thing called the Vertnet. It's this virtual world where you play video games inside of it. It's kind of reminiscent of Spy Kids where you enter the game and you're like a real person in the game, and then you can wake up from the game and just be a real person in life. Well, Michael was born in the game. He had no idea that he was artificial intelligence. Until this crazy thing happened and this guy named Kane gave him a real body and he ended up waking up in the real world, realizing that he was never in a human body in the real world before. And so the story gets really deep. It starts to talk about things like, well, what is reality? What is the real world? It's kind of very philosophical in the sense of like, well, what makes a human a human and what makes the world real? The Vertnet seems so real. Why is that not reality? We don't know what created the world. So Who's to say that the world we create can't be considered a form of reality? It's just, it can get so deep if you really think about the things that are implied in this book series, because Michael is trying to figure out life, and you get that perspective through his story. And I'm sorry, the short summary just kind of became a part of the discussion. But yeah, so in this book, Michael and his two best friends, Sarah and Bryson, they're on this adventure, they're trying to stop this guy named Kane, but in the second book, we found out that these people that he thought that were there for him, they were called the VNS, They created the Vertinet. He thought that they would help them, but it turned out that they kind of screwed him over. And so now Michael and his friends are kind of stuck in this question of who are the good guys in this scenario and who are we even trying to take down? Like they know that they're trying to stop what's happening. And what's happening is that there's this guy named Kane who supposedly is the one in charge of everything. And what's happening is he's taking artificial intelligences, removing people in the real world, like he's removing their brain putting the artificial intelligence inside and letting AI roam the world. And so essentially people are losing their brains, they're losing what makes them them, and then artificial intelligence is becoming those people. And that's kind of where we get a lot of these questions, right? Well, are the artificial intelligences those people now? Or they're their own people, so what happened to the real people? And at the end of the day, Michael doesn't know what to think or feel, but he knows that he feels wrong about having taken someone's body. It wasn't his choice. He didn't want to do it. And now Jackson Porter, the person's body he took over, he feels really bad because people love Jackson. Michael's not Jackson, even if he's in Jackson's body. And so this has happened to a lot of people in this story. A lot of artificial intelligence have taken over the lives of real people, and Michael wants to stop that, but he has no idea how because he doesn't know who the bad guy is anymore. Is it Kane? Is it the VNS? And before I get too into it, I'm going to try to take this a little bit more sequentially because it's a lot, but... Like I said, this book, it kind of points out a lot of philosophical things. In the first few books, we talked about how this story really points out, well, what does it mean to be alive, right? Michael was made in artificial intelligence. He was made in the Vertnet. He thought the Vertnet was his real life. 
he had no idea he was fake. So was that real? Is is Michael real in that reality? Is that a form of reality? Or can we not say that's reality because it was made by humans? And so when Michael went to the real world, does that make Michael real now? Does that mean Michael has rights as a human now because Michael is in a human body? And what makes a person a person? You know, Michael's intelligence is now stored in this human body. And so they're calling this Michael. But Michael's physical body never existed. So what's the attachment between our mental self and our physical self? Because in this story, when a physical person gets detached from their body, their mind goes into this place in the vertnet called the hive. And so they're not dead per se. Their body still exists on Earth with an artificial intelligence in it. And their mind still exists in the vertnet. So... Their mind and body are not connected, meaning that they're not really fully alive, but in a sense, they never died. Their brain is here, their body's here, nothing's dead, but it's not together. So they're not alive, but they're not dead. So then what makes a person a person? And (laughs) that gets even deeper in this book because they start referring to something as the one true death. I don't know if it's the one true death or just the true death, whatever. They start talking about this true death thing. And Michael at first is like, what do you mean the true death? Like, (laughs) what is this true death you're talking about? And that's when he finds out about the hive and where people's bodies are being stored. And basically the true death is when a body is not only killed, but the person's connection is killed inside of the game, meaning that the person could never come back to the body. Even if you just killed a person's brain, right, that's their death. But if you were to kill the body and the brain, that's the true death. You could never get that person back. They are they are dead. And so it's kind of interesting that they say that in this story because that means they're kind of alluding to the fact that, yes, in a sense, when you separate a person from their body, that is a form of death. But since they can put it back together, that's not the true death just yet. I don't know. It's a lot. The story is kind of a lot. But that goes into the fact, like, is is being a person our physical self, our mental self, or is it that connection between our physical and mental selves that make us a person? Yeah. (laughs) And one of the biggest arching themes in the story, too, is who is the good, who is the bad, what is good, what is bad, and do the ends justify the means because Michael thought the VNS was on his side even though they did so many shady things he thought okay well in the end they want what I want they want to fix this situation so therefore they're the good guys right I'm gonna serve the VNS but then the VNS screws them over and he realizes okay maybe that's not their end goal maybe the VNS is behind this whole thing and wanted this chaos so they're bad right because of the ends and and what about Cain? Cain, we find out, just like Michael, was created by the VNS. The VNS intentionally built Cain so they could have someone to blame for all the stuff they're doing. So then it comes down to an even bigger question. Cain is self-aware. Cain can make Cain's own decisions, but Cain was ultimately created for the purpose of doing what the VNS made him do becoming obsessed with immortality and wanting to put people's brains into bodies. And even though he was able to change that vision, he kind of broke away from the VNS and he was doing his own thing. He hates the VNS. He's not with them. He's not supporting them. But he is still doing what he was made to do just a little differently. So who do you blame there, right? He seems very self-aware and he's able to talk to Michael sort of rationally in certain points during the book, but he's never able to pull himself away from that thing that he was created to do. He still wants to do what Michael really doesn't want to do, and he's willing to do some crazy things to get there. So the big question is, 
whose fault is it? Whose fault is all of this? Is it the VNS, the maker, the maker who made Kane to be this way and Kane is just following how he was raised to be? Or can we blame Kane because he's self-aware and he still continues to do these things that we consider wrong? I don't know. Honestly, I do think Kane is obviously to blame to some degree because he is the one doing it and he is self-aware and he shows that he has a level of consciousness and understanding with the way he talks to Michael. But you can't fully blame the guy because he was literally raised to do this. This is what was put in his brain. He was taught from the very start of his creation that this was his purpose and it drove him to do that forever. And so to a degree, it's kind of hard to blame Kane for everything he did. And so then that, that confuses the heck out of Michael because he's like, actually, Kane's really not as bad of a guy as I thought. I thought Kane was so horrible, but now that I found out he was created to do this and he's rational, but this is what he was made to do. He, he doesn't know anything else. Michael starts to kind of feel bad for him and he, he starts to sympathize with someone who put him through all of this crazy stuff and it just confuses the life out of Michael. He doesn't know who's good or bad and he doesn't he doesn't know what to do about it. Yeah, like, like I said, this book, it gets really deep into all of this stuff and it keeps going with even more themes that are brought up. <sighs> spoiler alert, huge spoiler alert if you've never read this story. Sarah dies in this book. Sarah, his best friend, who he was kind of falling in love with, which is just really sad. Like, they they kissed and, and they were falling in love. Michael had all kinds of feelings for Sarah and Sarah liked him back and they were just starting to get really close. And then something happens, someone comes in and in, in moments, Sarah goes from being a part of the story, a huge part of Michael's life, she's just shot and killed. And that's it. And I, I was really... <laughs> really shocked when this happened because it was so sudden. It was like there was a scene, you would have never imagined that what was about to come out of that scene was Sarah's death, but there it is. It just happened. Sarah's dead and there's nothing that is done about it. She's dead. And Michael is torn up, obviously. He kind of goes on this crazy rampage where he ends up on his own for a few days. All this crazy stuff is happening and he just lost someone. He would have never imagined that someone so close to him, Sarah, would have died during this venture. And it just kind of goes to, to talk about something that's really deep and hard to talk about. <laughs> but just the truth that life is really fragile and things could happen in an instant. And it's it's a painful reality no one wants to think about. And it was painful to read, you know. I, I got attached to this character and she died. She just died really suddenly. And it's kind of that painful realization. And it's something that I've learned a lot about because I love reading stoicism. It's something a lot of philosophers like to talk about. It's the power of understanding our own mortality and that we are very fragile beings and that we won't, you know, be here forever. And, and Michael learns that lesson in a very hard way by losing Sarah so suddenly. And it really makes him think differently about life and death. And he's just so distraught when he realizes this and when this thing happens. And he never really gives up on Sarah. And I'll talk about that at the end of the book, but he, he never really gives up on there being a Sarah. Like I said, this this book is really complicated, so there there is going to be, I'll come back to it, but at the end of the book, something does happen with Sarah. Although she did die, and it was kind of the end of it for a while, it, it comes back up at the end of the book. And it's always there. Like, for the rest of the book, Michael is always dealing with these feelings he's having because of what happened to Sarah. And, yeah, that's that's most of what happens in this book most of what's to think about something else is like the fear of death and the thought of immortality like i said that came along a lot with what happened to sarah but also kane is just like the vns they're doing all of this because they want some form of immortality they want 
to beat the mortal being. They want to live forever. And there's just a lot of fear of death, fear of the one true death that goes on in this book series. Everything that's happening in this series is because these people are afraid of death. Um, and I just think that it's a very powerful and interesting story. And it's way more than I was expecting from this book series because I, I started reading it in high school. If you listen to any other parts of this podcast, then you would know. I started reading this book series back in high school, but then I read the first two books and put it down because the third book wasn't out yet. But I'm glad I went back and read it because it is an incredibly powerful story. It is well done. James Dashner's book series, The Maze Runner, is my absolute all-time favorite book series. Like, I've talked about in other podcasts how John Dies at the End is one of my absolute favorites, and it is. It's so close, but I really love The Maze Runner. It is so well done, and I get so hooked when I read those books. And I'd say James Ashner did a great job with this book series. It's very different from The Maze Runner. I wouldn't say that they're similar. I wouldn't compare them in any sense. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because, obviously, it's the same author. But I think James Dashner did a really good job of making these two stories very different and very deep in their own rights and this one is just it's so unique because it brings up so many deep questions but it's still at the end of the day like a really fun adventurous story of this guy in this virtual world but it also it can be a lot when you really start to think about some of the things that Michael is pondering about life and some of the things that people ponder about life when they think about these things so yeah <laughs> that's that and uh before I finish this podcast, I just want to talk about how the story does end because it's the end of the series. This is the last podcast I'm doing on this series. And so how does it end? Well, Michael gives his human body back to Jackson Porter. He's able to stop Kane and the VNS and everything through this whole battle that was kind of really fast considering how long this series was. It happened a little fast, but it was cool because he was able to fix things for the most part. A lot of people did die before he was able to fix things, but he did get to fix things. And when he did, he gave his body back to Jackson Porter. He ended up back inside the vert net. They're rebuilding it. And so people like him, AI, who were still sane and not trying to take over the world, they got to start living normally again in the vert net. His friends, he still gets to see Bryson and his new friend Gabby, who was Jackson Porter's girlfriend, who became Michael's friend. They all got to hang out together. Michael even got to hang out with Jackson Porter, which is one of my favorite like moments in like things in the end of the book, because like Michael's like really weirded out sitting next to Jackson Porter because he was inside of his body for a long time. And he's like, yeah, it just feels really weird, you know, hanging out with the guy who's, whose body I stole <laughs> and whose girlfriend like I was with for a little bit like I mean he wasn't with her but like there was just a weird connection going on with all of that because he was in Jackson Porter's body and so yeah that's kind of how the story ends very last thing I want to talk about is what happened at the end of the book and this is going to go into this week's discussion question so when Sarah died yes it was pretty instant they dragged Michael out of the room however his nanny the one that he ends up living with at the end of the story the one who's amazing and has been there all along sorry i didn't talk about her more it wasn't so much about the characters this was all about the thoughts but she was an amazing character if you read this series i'm sure you'll feel similarly but yeah she's an amazing character and what she did when sarah died was she went in and she like downloaded sarah's brain right before she went full-on brain dead into the vertnet and so michael you know it wasn't like she was kept intact and he could just fix her Michael had to go on this whole journey when he went back into the vertnet where he had to just compile and find every part of Sarah, find all her memories, her thoughts, things that made up her body. He just had to find all the code that could possibly have made up Sarah that was downloaded from her. And 
he he's compiled all this and the story ends with him about to rebuild her like he's got everything and he's about to stay up all night rebuilding her we don't get to see him do it but i guess the way i see it you could assume he did it successfully because he's really smart and he knows how to do this stuff so my question for you is if michael did manage to rebuild sarah from everything that he found of hers in the vertnet memories thoughts feelings physical characteristics would she still be sarah in the vertnet because she was a real human she had a body she had a brain it was downloaded when she died so if all of her thoughts and memories and feelings and characteristics could be put together in the vert world would that even still be sarah or would it just be someone who could mimic being sarah and yeah <laughs> that's that's it thank you so much for listening i mean I really like this book series, so if you like it too, I hope we can get psyched about it together. Let me know in the comments below if you have any questions or thoughts about this series. I would love to talk about it, pick your brain, have a discussion. Let's get psyched together about this. And if you can, please like, comment, and subscribe. I would just appreciate us getting psyched together about this. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the Game of Lives. And until next time, stay psyched. Thank you so much for listening. The intro and outro beat used on this podcast was made by my friend and producer, PME. He's super talented, so make sure to check him out. His links are always in the description. And as always, let me know what you're getting psyched about. I do this podcast because I think getting psyched is done best when we do it together. So please let me know. And until next time, stay psyched.